Good morning, everyone. Oh, I, I hated to interrupt that. There's so much good chatter and fellowship going on this morning, and that door back there just keeps opening, and people just keep coming in. <laughs> it's too late. I'm already in. Too late. I welcome everyone this morning. I welcome any visitors we may have. I welcome those online. Uh, it's not what I would call a pretty day outside, but it is a good day for napping, so there's that. I think I'm going to take advantage of that today, too. Oop, don't start that. If you are a visitor, you'll find a Connect card in front of you in the pew. We ask that you just fill that out, please. And you can just leave it on the bench or you can slip it in the box back there on the back, which I just want to remind you about giving. We know we all know how and where and uh, mail or the box or however you want to do it, you can go online. We appreciate however you do that. Uh, next Wednesday, we're going to have Bible study with Pastor Ray Owens. Next Sunday, worship service with Pastor Ray. Two o'clock next Sunday, that's the 28th, we're going to have a church council meeting at two o'clock. And then Monday, August 29th, that's not this month, that's not tomorrow, that's the following Monday, is our turn for Grace Place. And we need volunteers to go and help serve. And we also need oatmeal cream pies. We need 225 of them. So if you'd like to donate or bring some boxes of oatmeal cream pies, we'll take them. We appreciate that. I see some people back that good to have back. I'm so glad y'all are back with us. And at this moment, I'm going to turn it over. No, I'm going to open with prayer, and then we'll turn it over for music. Father God, thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the energy for the happiness for the fellowship and the friendships that are in this room it's so evident lord we just thank you that we're able to be here we please pray for the ones who weren't able to you know all the needs and we just ask that you open our hearts and our minds and clear our heads of everything else so we can hear you today we ask these things and we thank you in Jesus' name amen I guess you've noticed that we have a new face up here this morning. We're so glad to have Ron Bridges with us this morning. <laughs> Before we sing our first song, I'd like to, to read the scripture. It comes from Psalms 100, verses 4 and 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Won't you stand with us and join with us, and I will enter his gates. He has made me glad. 
be seated and we're going to see a short uh, video about Dave and Barbara Miller, our missionaries. Greetings from sunny California. We're here visiting Hillside Church of God, a congregation that I served in the 1970s before meeting Barbara and going to the mission field. We're here in California just a few days. We've been in the States about four months and we wanted to keep you updated on our goings and comings. A special thing we did today was go back overlooking the Golden Gate Bridge where Dave Miller proposed marriage to me 44 years ago. The bridge is still there and we're still here. We arrived in Indianapolis just in time to welcome our fifth grandchild and since that time we've been enjoying lots of quality time with our grown children and grandchildren and extended family and friends. Being in the U.S. has also given opportunities to travel to countries like Honduras, where I spent several days working with Saul Sanchez, a veteran prison chaplain in a youth detention center, where he is leading young ex-offenders, gang members, to Christ and building them into effective kingdom workers. In July, I was able to participate in the National Convention of the Church of God in Colombia, again doing disciple training with the delegates there. It gave me opportunity to reconnect with Angel and Janet Pinto, pastors of the Puerto Asís Church for 34 years who have also helped plant churches in 14 different communities in Colombia. During these months, we've been able to strengthen the work of La Trompeta, the Church of God publications work in Spanish-speaking countries. And now we're looking forward to returning to Bolivia about the middle of August and to be able to reconnect with our network of disciples. So we want to thank you for your continuing friendship and partnership in the kingdom. We couldn't do this without you, and we so much appreciate all that you do to participate in the work that God's doing. God bless you. Let's join together now in singing a beautiful hymn, Oh How I Love Jesus. Why don't you stay in? I think it'll go a little bit better. How about that? <laughs> Oh, how I miss you. 
seated. Children, it's time for you to go to your classes now. That is such a wonderful sight, watching those children walk back there. And I hate y'all missed the jig that Pastor Ray just did up here. Maybe he'll do it again when he comes up here. <laughs> if you will look on your bulletin, or if you don't have one, I want to um, bring your attention to some prayer requests that we have. And, as always, uh, take this home and remember these people through the week, if you will, and situations, and not all, not all just people. Um, of course, our pastoral search, Gary Piku, if I said that right, I hope, Larry Lawson, Larry Worsham, Jerry Crane, Mr. Royce Lowry, Pastor Ray Owens, Children's Garden students and teachers, Grace Place, unspoken requests, our pastors and churches in the COVID situation. And as usual, you can see in your bulletin how to make requests. Uh, you can call the church office or you can get on a prayer, gr prayer group texting uh, by contacting Karen Oldham. And I'm going to say a quick prayer right now for those that we have listed as prayer requests. So if you'll bow your head, please. Father God, I ask that you please be with each and every one of these requests and the many more on our heart that we either have forgotten to mention or we can't mention. But we know that you know every single detail of every single situation and we know that you're on top of it. Please help us to remember to turn to you and to lean on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before he comes up... I want to play a little game. Get y'all ready, okay? Don't panic. You don't have to do much. You don't have to do anything but raise your hand. This is called "I am grateful," or if I, if you're grateful, raise your hand. If you are grateful that you woke up this morning, raise your hand. Okay. If there's any of you that did not raise your hand, you need to see Pastor Ray after church. That no, is they're, a problem. They're, they're dead, so there's no need. There's no need to come to see me because they're already dead. See? There may be life yet oh, that we could revive. We could shock them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. If you're grateful that you had transportation to get here this morning, raise your hand. You don't have to be happy about your transportation, just that you got here. Okay. If you're grateful that you have family. Now, I know... They can get on your last nerve sometimes, but that's not what we're talking about. Just grateful that you have them. Okay, we're grateful for that. If you're grateful for rain, raise your hand. Remember, that means naps. Okay. If you're grateful for sunshine, raise your hand. If you're grateful for a place to worship freely, raise your hand. Y'all did good. All right, now I've got them awake. And I've got them okay. somewhat grateful, and the rest is up to you and the Lord. So, take it away. Thank you. 
Well, I'm glad you guys are in such a great spirit and attitude this morning on a uh, rainy Sunday morning. And uh, I'm actually having a bad hair day and I only have six hair. So I know exactly how some of you feel. I was looking at it, it's like frizzed. And I'm like, I don't have anything to frizz. But uh, it's there. And I'm so glad you're here and I'm probably going to miss anybody. But I, I want to... Uh, give you an opportunity to praise the Lord this morning. If somebody has a praise uh, that they want to give. Uh, Brother John, are you with me? Can you hear me, Brother John? Brother John's in the house. We've missed you, believe it or not. We have, man. Missed you back there. I had a chance to get to visit with him, but uh, we've, we've been praying for you and we're excited to have you back. That's an answer to prayer, so that's awesome. And uh, I, I, I praise the Lord, I can hear out of one ear. I've had a long-term weird ear infection. I guess when you get in your second childhood, you go back to having what you had when you were a kid or something. So uh, that's good. I've still got some issues. I appreciate your prayers. Uh, and I'm going to give you one more chance. Anybody got a praise this morning? Anything? I'm telling you, I know it. We saw him actually, I think it was a year last week. Yeah. Well, you know, he always comes when I slip out, you know. I praise the Lord for saving my soul, giving me a good church, a good husband, and a great son of the experience. And I just love the Lord. He loves me. Sister Mary, God bless you. Thank you. Yeah, Brother Royce, we made a big deal about him Wednesday night. He's our hero. He just keeps going and going. He's amazing as well. So we love you. We praise you as well. Also, I want to just reiterate, this is a very special week that I, I want to really ask you to pray. And it looks like it's supposed to rain every day, I think, because I had a lot of things I need to do outside. <laughs> uh, but it's supposed to rain every day. But uh, I've been, we've been in contact with a... Uh, young pastor family with 18 years experience and uh, is feeling God leading them to move and this week we'll be praying about whether it's uh, to talk further with us at Cypress Street so I'm just asking that you just be praying for this uh, young couple they have two children one nine and one five and just be praying for them this week because we want God's will God knows you know I get excited and Come on, come on. God's telling me it's, you know, you know how we, we think. But we want God to work. It's, it's only going to work with God's will. So just be in prayer this week um, intently about that as well. Also, uh, I just got this a little while ago that uh, just this week or maybe this morning actually, um, three Chinese pastors were arrested in China uh, last night, our time last night at um, at 8:45 p.m. so we want to pray for the persecuted church and for these um, we're so spoiled we take it for granted our freedom to worship here we really do and I appreciate Mary what you said about the church I actually thought about that this morning you guys Cyber Street we have a wonderful church family that will do anything for you that'll pray for you you know, we're human, we're, we make mistakes, but this is a wonderful church family that literally millions of people around the world would give anything to be a part of. 
And so it's like we've got this gem that God has made and we need to let our light shine. We need to love on other people and be accepting of others. So many go through tough times. So I want to have a prayer for this and, and uh, we'll go, go into the message. Father, we are blessed. We've heard some praises and really, Lord, we all could stand up and give the same praise that Sister Mary gave. Uh, God, we do praise you for Brother John being here, for uh, Brother Lowry being here, God, and, and all of us being here. Great, great crowd on this day that are here, God, for our blessings. And Father, may we not take it for granted and may we be grateful. Father, we also come to you on behalf of these three pastors we're aware of. And God, there are probably others unnamed in places around the world that are being persecuted simply because they want to worship you. And God, I know that you have a special place for those in your heart and at the very throne of God. So Father, we just cast them up. We ask any need that we see, you tell us to, to cast our cares to you. And Father, we do, knowing that you're able to do beyond anything we can imagine. You can have a revival start in communist China. Father, we need a revival here in Louisiana, in West Monroe. But Father, we ask that you'd minister them to their families, lift them up, be very close to them, encourage them, and may they have an experience like Paul. If they're in jail, God, I pray that you would just allow ministry to go forth, your power to undergird them. Now, God, may we hear from you. May we laugh. May we be challenged. And God, we give you permission to speak to us. And all God's people said, amen. You see your outline there. We've been talking about gratitude. We started with releasing the power of gratitude and talked about what's involved in having a singing heart. And then a couple weeks ago, I talked about our work and a little tougher message. And I wasn't feeling well. I apologize for that. But uh, I talked about taking this job and loving it. Um, and then last week, Brother Carvin shared experiencing the presence of the Almighty God and a beautiful message from Isaiah. And today I want to share with you a question, really. Uh, do you need a gratitude adjustment? I bet you, let's just start with Pastor Ray. He pretty much always needs a gratitude adjustment. And I bet you, not you, but the person sitting next to you needs a gratitude adjustment as well. So we need to face reality maybe sometimes. We're not as grateful as, as we, we are. I, I love the outdoors and as a youth growing up, as both a youth pastor and just who I am, I got into backpacking and, and hiking. In fact, I had some influence on a young man in your church that you might know named Ron. Uh, getting into backpacking and hiking and camping when I took him on his very first trip into Arkansas. And so at one point I had every map of the mountains of Colorado uh, on a topographical uh, very detailed map. We didn't have GPS and phones uh, and all that. And I've really been involved in it. And the National Forest Service has over thousands and thousands of miles of trails that they maintain. Some better than others. But and, and at the end of a hike sometimes there's a comment card. And I just had to read to you some of the comments 
that wise Americans, very grateful for their nation providing this free service, offered. Um, the first one says, a small deer came into my camp and stole my bag of pickles. Is there any way I can get reimbursed? <laughs> now, I had to put that one first because in America, the almighty dollar and the government will take care of you is the motto. And that's not the way it's meant to be. I had to start with that one. Uh, this is wilderness areas. And some of them are the Rocky Mountains. So if you've never been there, that's okay. Rocky Mountains. Okay. Number two, trails need to be wider so people can walk while holding their hands. And I felt like we ought to say, we'll do it just for you. Now, I do like holding hands with Diana. I think that's neat. But there's a place for that. You know, they have the wide trails sometimes and handicap accessible. Uh, three, trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid trails that go uphill. <laughs> now, I've thought that when you have a 60 pound backpack on and you're on a steady incline, you know, and you're burning, your knees are burning, your thighs are burning, everything's burning, you know. But if you don't go up, you can't go down and you can't see. Isn't that something? This one said, too many bugs, and I don't know where they were at, leeches and spider webs. And it went on and on. Please spray the wilderness to get rid of all the area of the pest. <laughs> Five, these places where trails do not exist are not well marked. <laughs> And my favorite, that's probably more of an IQ, you know, problem. Too many rocks on this mountain. That was from the Rocky Mountains. That's one of my favorites. So I just wanted to throw that out there. We're going to smile at it. But in America, especially, we are spoiled rotten. I mean, we have so many blessings and so many things. And really, it boils down to self. And so I have a text for you taken out of James chapter 4, just the first three verses, and I have several other scriptures that I want to give you. This is from the original NLT. As you know, the NLT is always changing, which is both positive and negative. But it, it, the question that is asked by James is, what is causing the quarrels and the fights, the struggles that happen among you? Isn't it not the whole army of evil desires at war within you? In other words, it's not out there. We always, what was Flip Wilson's thing? The devil made me do it. We always blame. Yeah, ultimately he's responsible. But let me tell you what James is saying. It's within us. And we need some ownership of this. You want what you don't have. So you scheme and even kill for it. You are jealous for what others have. And you can't possess it. So you fight and quarrel and take it from them. And yet the reason you don't have what you want is you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't ask it because your whole motive is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. In other words, self. What I think I need. How many of us in here know what we think we need might not be what we need? There's times we might want a hug and think we need a hug. And we might need a getting on to. I can't say spanking, that's politically incorrect. But, I mean, there's times when I've needed a kind of big time correction. You know, and I just wanted love, you know. 
And we live in a generation that's even, it seems like all generations, you know, kind of go the wrong way with that. So I want to talk about this. Anytime the world's all about me and about self, our attitude is going to be destroyed and there's not going to be a spirit of gratitude. And so I have on your outline some symptoms that we may need a gratitude adjustment. And remember, this is just about me. Y'all are welcome to listen in. If I feel like life owes me more than I've received so far, I just feel like I'm owed a little more. I've been a good old boy. Now there's not too many people in here that would shake their heads and agree with that, but you know we all think that sometimes. The second one, I've had a hard time being happy for others who experience success or prosper in ways that I want to, myself to prosper. I have to tell you, one of my big struggles, and it's in the Bible, I've had the same one, is when an evil person prospers. I just have problems with that. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, I know somebody, he's just plain evil. He's made his money stealing, you know, he's done a, and it just seems like everything's going his way. I have to be reminded that I don't see the whole picture what the future holds. You know what I mean? But right now, it's frustrating. So I have a gratitude problem. Thirdly, I feel sad because it seems that most people have more than I have or get more breaks than I get. You know, when you go, man, I go to church every Sunday. I do this, I do. Why don't I? You know, we get into that sometimes. Next one, I think more about things that I would like to have than I do about things I already possess. Now there are people that would say I probably am one of the most grateful people in the world. I'm here to tell you, no, I need a gratitude adjustment too. But I'll tell you this, it is natural nature in me and I bet you to always be kind of thinking, boy I'd like to have that versus turning around and looking at the thousands of things you have. You know what I mean? It's just human nature. And we need to be content in whatever state we're in. Remember I said that includes Louisiana, right? <laughs> content right here with what we have. That means I need a gratitude adjustment. And then finally, I often wonder why God doesn't bless me more than he has. Well, we just heard the reason for that. <laughs> he can't bless us unless we're happy with where we're at, right? So we're going to talk about that. So when do we develop, when do we develop gratitudes? I called it brat. Spoil, rotten brat. So this is a new word for you, bratitudes. So if your kids act up, you can say, you're being a brat. You got bratitudes. And we can adjust them accordingly. And so that's kind of what I'm going to talk about. When we develop these bratitudes, when do we develop them? And I'm going to come from a different angle. This may not work and I may not do it again. But we'll, we'll try, okay? When do we develop these bratitudes? Number one, when we live competitively. Now, okay, honesty. How many of you in this building are a little bit competitive in spirit? Come on, yeah, thank you. I love it. Some of you are doing this. Look, a little competitivity, you know, being competitive is okay, a little bit of that, you know, but you can go too far with it if it's unchecked or not developed appropriately. So, you know, if, if we get to where we are, if we're so competitive that we can get to where we lose the ability to be excited when someone else gets blessed or does well, that's too far. That's what I'm saying. My grandson competed in his very first 
uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament yesterday in Dallas. And of course, I wanted to be there. You know, there's hundreds of people. I'm only seeing it from a cell phone video, you know, way, way away and stuff. And, you know, and I'm so proud of him. He did well and all that. And, uh, you know, it's pretty competitive. It's pretty crazy. And I mean, he's only 11 and in the 100-pound bracket. He's supposed to be in the 90-something, but he was with Grandma D, Grandma Dana, and we had too many Johnny's pizzas. And so we jumped up to the 105-pound range or something like that. No, he's growing. He's growing. And, uh, but, you know, it, it was really competitive. But one thing they do, they have them shake, you know, and bow before, and then they shake and bow at the end. And every now and then they even embrace. You know, it's kind of neat. But they're, boy, once they let them loose, they're into it, you know. And that's what I'm talking about, being appropriate. Uh, we value, if we value ourselves with how we're positioned sometime related to people. And this is something we all need to think about. I don't care, you know, holiest person and all that. You've got to be careful when you look at other people to not judge inappropriately. And it's so easy to do. And man, with my training as a psychologist, we judge and we evaluate. I mean, I'm, I was paid my whole life to evaluate people. But you got to be careful with that. When we judge ourselves based on other people, I'm better than them. Yeah, we're about equal. Oh, they're down there. You follow what I'm saying? And when you do that, it's natural human nature, but it's not what God would have us do. Now, is it okay to judge character or, whoa, I can't be around, like I have a weakness of language. I don't need to be around as a pastor who speaks people that say words inappropriate. That's an okay judgment. I don't need to be around people that drink alcohol. You know, I'm, I might struggle with that. I don't, I don't need to be around people that, you know, go shopping every day and spend all their money when I'm on a budget. You know, those kind of things are okay. But I'm talking about looking at what other people have, who they are, and all that. Then we get into what I talked about are problems, and we start adjusting where we are in that. And sometimes this, this judgment can get so far to where we get pretty sick, frankly, and really ought to get some help. And like Barbara was saying, you know, maybe the, the, they need to see me, and I'm saying, well, you're already dead if you're not happy you woke up this morning, uh, is, is you can get so sick that you actually gain human pleasure when somebody fails. And I'm telling you, if you ever get there, you're not in a good place. I mean it, if somebody fails and you're happy about it, that's not a good place. Now, you might say, well, I hope they get help or, you know, they needed to kind of have a consequence. That's different. But we need to be real careful. When others are brought down and if it makes us feel good, we're going to talk about that. You know, there's a famous story we all know, one of the greatest in the Bible, about one of our all-time heroes because he's so real, but he's so full of faith, and that's David. You know, where the little kid comes up and takes on Goliath and, you know, takes him out. And you think everybody would be happy about that. You know, they took out Goliath and everything's good, and they took off running. You know, all of a sudden, courage came to everybody. Did you notice that? They all got courageous when... 
David slew Goliath and they took out after the Philistines and, and all that. If you don't think emotions changes everything, it was the same army just before, same coward army over here, but once that happened they got emotional and these guys started running and these guys started you know, winning. Think about that. You think everybody would be happy. Look on your outline, 1 Samuel 18, 7 through 9. There was the, this was the Israel song. Saul, king, King Saul, has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Whoa. This made Saul very angry. What's this? He said, they credit David with ten thousand and with me only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time only, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. That's what I'm talking about. Once somebody gets a jealous eye on you or you get a jealous eye, what you do, what that's saying is you filter everything through that. You know, and that's not good. And I want to tell you how crazy that is. If it was spiritually, Ray had saved his thousands and Brother Carvin his ten thousands, I'm going, woohoo! Praise God! I mean, just think if I could lead a thousand to the Lord and Brother Carvin, 10,000 Lord, that's 11,000 if I add that up right. Okay, here in West Monroe, man, we'd fill out some churches. And what would I be if I was like, I'm jealous of him. Well, he can preach 10 times better or he, he knows how to do the 15, you know, he just knows how or God's blessed him or whatever, you know. Uh, you don't have to be number one. And it's the same thing, guys. If you're young and beautiful, that's great. Although I think sometimes it can be a curse. But you're going to get older. <laughs> okay? You can be smart and gifted. You're going to lose it. You're gonna, you know, we have memory. We, we get to where we don't remember. You know, things change, you know. So the heart, the character, the relationship with God is so important. Because that never changes. That's what I'm talking about. So what was Saul's problem? You don't have to be a psychologist or a pastor to figure that out. He was insecure. When you're insecure, there's a tendency to want to criticize other people. Or when other people get bragged on, what do you do? Well, I'm as good as they are. Nobody ever told me I cooked as good as I do. You know, or whatever it is. You know? That's how we are. And that's what I'm talking about. Insecurity, spiritual insecurity, kills gratitude. So realizing who we are in God, that God Almighty gave His Son for me and you to be saved, and His thoughts toward us are more numbered than the sands on the sea. He's thinking about Barbara all the time, even more than Quint. And his thoughts are probably usually good. <laughs> He's thinking about you. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Realize who you are. I mean, God loves you. Even when you mess up, God loves you and has security in him. Let me give you an opposite illustration. Sir Walter Scott, one of the greatest literary persons of all times in England, and uh, another writer started coming along, Lord Byron, and, and was going on. So one literary crit critic in uh, London in the newspaper wrote this. It should be apparent now to England 
That, and I should read this with an English accent, but I'm terrible, okay? <laughs> it should be a now apparent now to England that the leading literary figure in our great country is now Lord Byron and not Sir Walter Scott. Guess who wrote it? Sir Walter Scott. Now that's security. In other words, that's just the way it is. That's maturity. And again, we see so much immaturity and insecurity in the faith and in who we are. And all of this affects our witness, affects our joy. And God loves it when we have joy and we have a witness because we're apparently different. We're set free. So that's a prayer for me. To, to really work on that gratitude. Number two, so we develop another gratitude when we compare ourselves to those who have more. And I mentioned that earlier, to those who have more. Pretty much this is the United States of America. Media has not helped this. Facebook has not helped this. In fact, they've created a new depression, clinical depression that you puts you away, used to be for a week, now it's 72 hours or something like that. It's, you're, you're clinically depressed, why? You go on Facebook and everybody's pointing a picture of themselves. <laughs> you know, whatever. I know if you're older and don't know what Facebook is, it's this thing that they post stuff. And before that, it was MySpace. And before that, it was emails, <laughs> you know, and now it's Snapchat and a bunch of other things and all that stuff. In other words, they, and they're always telling about how wonderful everything is. Very few do they go on and show like when they first get up and look in the mirror, they don't take a selfie of that and post it, you know what I mean? So the point is, people are always putting a skewed view. They never have problems with their kids and everything's wonderful, everything's great. And you go, my life's not like that. That's because you have a real life. Their life's just like your life. Okay? Trust me. Trust me. Now look, good can come out of all those things. I just don't know that I have time to get into all that good. <laughs> okay? You ask somebody in the United States, anybody in this room, are you rich? What would your answer be? I hope after Barbara's nice thing, you better be going, yes, I'm rich. If you live in an apartment, if you have somewhere to call home, and guys, I know people in here that don't only just have an apartment, they have a house, and I bet you there's some people in here that have more bedrooms than they need. You know, the Owens Hotel has five, okay? And, you know, sometimes they're all full and even the couch. So I guess that'd be six, you know, the, the playroom. Uh, but here's what I'm saying. If you, you, you think, man, I don't, I don't have it. If somebody has a five-bedroom home, they're in the top 0.1% of the, of the world. 0.1, you know. And stats say back even in 1995 if you made 12,000 a month that was when it crossed the line 95 if you made a thousand a month you were in the top five percent of the world's wealth today even with inflation that's gone crazy a net worth of 93,000 meaning your home your car 
every penny you have cash, all your furniture, and we just did an estate sale for mom and dad's home, all your junk, if, you, if all of that was sold and you would come up with $93,170, you're in the top 10% of the wealthiest people in the world. And here's what I'm telling you. If you have a double wide trailer, you're worth $93,000 on a piece of land. And if it's in California, you're a gabillionaire. Okay? I'm just telling you. So, in other words, in this room, I bet all of us are in the top 10%. Many of us are in the top 1%. And some of us are in the top 0.001% in this room. Yes, we're wealthy. But why is it we always look for more? Is it not the desires within you, as our text says? And I'm here to tell you, I think we need to face that. It is. Within us is that nature that we should fight and as Paul said, die to. Die to that and let the Holy Spirit take us out of that. The Psalm 73, the psalmist was beginning to feel sorry for him, about himself and some self-pity. And, 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 and I can relate to this. I told you earlier. It says, look at these arrogant people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Was it for nothing that I kept my heart pure, kept myself from doing wrong? All I get is trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Then I realize how bitter I'd become. And then you keep reading. This is the melancholy personality's prayer. One fourth of you in this room, this is your prayer. You need to realize it. You tend to see the glass what? Half empty. In fact, it's empty and, and being poured out, you know, if you're pure melancholy. Now, half of you are at least partially melancholy. So in this room, 50% of you can really relate to this and relate to me when we say, sometimes I'm doing everything right and look, Lord, you know. Or, if it can go wrong, it can go wrong. Now, there's God, God loves melancholy people. God loves us. God loves them. There's no doubt about it. He loves us. There's a, man, we keep lists. We keep notes. We say we're going to do something. We do it. Bless the sanguine's heart. They go through life. It's wonderful. It's great. And I'll never forget Florence Latire was speaking at a big event. Best illustration I can think of. Best illustration. And she was going over the personalities and she missioned the sanguine. They'll volunteer for anything, but they don't get it done. And about that time, a gal screamed and ran out. She was in charge for the coffee that day and had forgotten all about it because she's a sanguine. The melancholy would have been back there working on the coffee and I want one a little darker and this one and you know, you know. And of course, Jesus handled it all well with Mary and Martha. We recently heard that story of the, the two, you know. And there's, there's a time to be melancholy, there's a time to be sanguine. You know, we all have our struggles that we deal with. There was a guy named Steve that wrote a devotional, a beautiful story about the hummingbird and the vulture. Uh, by the way, FYI, just for, there's not too many of you, there's a couple of you that are hunters or outdoorsmen. Don't shoot a vulture or a buzzard, they're protected. I know. Anyway, 
Y'all know what a vulture is? A buzzard? Turkey buzzard? Okay. You see them flying around? Uh, both of those fly over the nation's deserts. And all a vulture sees is rotten meat because that's what they're looking for. Because that's their diet. So they're searching and smelling and keenly aware of what's dead and rotten. The hummingbird, on the other hand, is flying around looking for fresh flowers. The beautiful nectar and the fresh, fresh blossoms that might occasionally pop out on a desert cactus. So they're having to really look. That's why they, you know, <laughs> why they go around so much there. Now, think about this. He said, vultures live in the past, what's dead and gone. Hummingbirds live on the freshness of life. Here's what I, I, the conclusion is. Each bird finds what it's looking for. I want to repeat that. Each bird finds what it's looking for. Just say it. Now if that went over your head, God bless you. There's a tendency in life to find what you're looking for. What you're focusing on. And if your focus is on a pure heart, a clean heart like Psalms 51, if that's the focus, whoo! But if the focus is on what the other person has and I've got to have, it's going to be a tough life. It's going to be a miserable life. And I tell you, even those of us in ministry, we've recently seen this. We've got to be focused on what the calling is and what the purpose is in our life. And that's us as well. Thirdly, you can develop a gratitude when what we have never seems to be enough. And I mentioned this earlier, and it's true. And even this, even this attitude, yeah, it's okay, but I, can, I need more. You know, I'm all right, but I need more. Anyone got young kids in here? Anybody got preschoolers? Yeah, okay. You want to publicly apologize? No. Okay. I got to read the toddler property rules. And I'm reading it because it only applies to toddlers. <laughs> Number one, if I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. <laughs> if I had it a little while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it will never appear to be yours at any time. If in doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're playing with something and put it down, it automatically becomes mine. If it's broken, it's yours. Now, aren't you glad that only applies to children? Yeah, right. I want to give you probably some of the wisest words that I'm going to say today. You cannot ever, ever, ever satisfy the lust for more or the lust for money. You will never satisfy it. There will never, ever, ever be enough if that's your goal. You will die miserable 
And when Carvin or I preach your funeral, you won't take one bit of it with you and there'll probably be an argument going on among the ones you love or who gets what. Think about it. Look on your outline. Those who love money will never have enough. Where did I get that from? The Bible. How absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. Solomon in Ecclesiastes. Contrast that to this. The generous prosper and are satisfied. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Same guy. In other words, when you help others and you refresh others, you're going to be refreshed and you're going to have joy on this side as well as joy on the other side. So what do you do? Store up for yourself in treasures where? In heaven. So when I'm caring for others, when I'm giving to missions, when I'm going to Grace Place, when I'm helping a neighbor, when I'm even helping a jerky neighbor, Sister Mary, when I'm doing all these things and I do them, I'm getting blessed now, even though my mind and those evil desires in me might go, I've had it, I can't take it no more, you know, and I've got boundaries, I understand that, I can't, but here's the thing, when I'm doing it, I, I actually feel good about it, and you did get blessed by the way, you know, and you do, you get blessed, but I'm also storing up treasures in heaven, it's a double, double, double dividend, does that make sense? It's awesome. It's the way to be. And Satan doesn't like you hearing that. Because he knows a lot of good's going to go out. And a lot of good's going to happen if you're in church and you hear these things. In fact, Jesus said it this way. Give and it shall be given to you. In fact, it won't be just given to you. It'll be given to you a good measure. Pressed down. Packed in. Stretching you. Yeah, he, when he gives, he stretches you. You know? Awesome scripture. It'll be poured into your lap. It's going to overflow, in other words. So if we can't be happy with what we have right now, we'll never be happy with what we're going to get. And I believe right now God wants to bless us even more, but he can't bless us because we're not opening up and giving to him what we have now in time, talents, and money. If we're doing that faithfully, he can bless us more. If we're good with a few things, he can give us many things. That's, that's just how that works. Proverbs 11.25 says, Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. What a beautiful scripture. I don't know. I think that goes on a refrigerator somewhere. Okay, number four. When do I develop gratitudes? When we've either never experienced or fully understood God's grace. It's hard to be grateful without God's grace, experiencing God's grace. Now, I know, you know, and I know some people in life that have not professed Jesus, that are amazingly grateful and, and do a lot of good and they're good people. And to me, I am always amazed at that because I will tell you, if you've never been blessed by God's amazing grace and realize that everything that we've done has been erased, I mean erased, thrown as far as the East is from the West, you know, excuse me, the east is from the west, 
you know, whatever it is that that's been set free, God's amazing grace. And it's like when you experience that, you're so grateful. It's so awesome that naturally what comes out of that is excitement for God and for giving and for being his disciple. And we all know that's a free gift. Nobody deserves it. We accept it. Y'all know that. But you know what's sad is many of us experience that grace. We have the joy of salvation. But as time goes on, we get in the rut of living in this world. And, and kind of the flesh that we have is there. And, and it's, it's a problem. And it gets to be more of a thing. And we kind of like lose that excitement about God's amazing grace. I've got an illustration that might be a little controversial, but back in 2003 in Iran, you might remember this, there was a huge earthquake and huge devastation. Nine days, nine days after the earthquake, they're in recovery trying to find bodies and get buildings straight, rescues long gone. They found a 97-year-old female. Rescuers were so excited, they brought her out, asked her what she wanted, she wanted some tea. It's, it's no way she should have lived, hypothermia and everything else. They gave her some tea and she complained it was too hot. Now, <laughs> nine days and, you know, it's kind of like, just blow on it or, you know, hold it out there and shake it or something, you know. Um, but that's how we are. That's how we are. And I'm not trying to really criticize her. That's great. But I thought this is a good illustration of how, you know, you just got saved miraculously and then it's kind of a little bit of, well, it isn't just right. Well, that's how we are. God saved us. Our name is written in the blood of Jesus and it's, you know, I don't know which name he's using of mine, but you know, Carl R. Owens Jr. Or whatever, whatever. It's written there, you know, in the Lamb's Book of Life. I've been saved. I, I'm forgiven. All that I've ever done is covered and anything I confess is gone. In fact, God's going, I remember forgetting that. I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, the blessings of life that he gives us. And then I go, well, I don't think I want to do that. What you gave me was just, it was too cold. It was too hot. It's a Honda. It's not a BMW. I don't know if you're getting that or not. There's a story in the Gospels that I think speaks to us, and I, I need to preach a sermon on this alone. I, I don't know, recently I think maybe someone was mentioning that, but it's when Jesus was invited over to Simon's house, and the Pharisees were there, and a, and a woman came in, and of course they were giving him a hard time because he didn't know who she was. It was so funny, he knew everything about them and their thoughts and what she was and everything and all. But at the end, you know, she came and poured out uh, her tears and love and, and, and ointment and all on Jesus' feet. And, you know, they were like, uh, Simon's looking and saying, you know, if you knew who she was and all. And Simon, Jesus says at the end, says this, uh, tell me something. This woman and her sins are many, are forgiven. Oh, they're gasped. He who has been forgiven much, loves much. He who's been forgiven little loves little. This is for somebody here today because it wasn't part of the deal. Somebody, in, in, some of us, someone 
has been, been pretty good their whole life. They've been in the kingdom their whole life for a long time. They're serving him. They, they come to church. They're faithful. But honestly, there's not a lot of joy. They don't really think they've been forgiven an awful lot because they haven't done anything that bad. And here's what I want to tell you. That's sad. It's good that they're in the kingdom. It's good they're part of a church. It's good they're part of all this. That's good. But let me just tell you, salvation is not one thing that you did or that I did or can ever do good enough. And we need to be very careful we don't get over ourselves. Okay? In fact, there is none righteous, no, not one, except Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. Jesus Christ. Everyone else, none righteous. Solomon, no. David, no. Ray Owens, no. Do you follow what I'm saying? There's none. In fact, I read something a while back that said every person in themselves is dead, 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 dead in their sins. The only difference in one corpse and another corpse, the corpse maybe that goes to church and, and always has and thinks they're, and maybe a little judgmental too, is the, de the degree of decay. This corpse might be really, really bad. This corpse may not be as bad, but they're dead. You follow what I'm saying? They're dead. Now, here's what I'm saying. Each of us need new life that only Jesus can bring. And for the one that is self-righteous or so involved in church, we are challenged. Those of us that are multi-generation Christians, our challenge is to humble ourselves and make sure we keep that relationship with Jesus Christ open. And whatever we do, we don't turn and say, oh God, I thank you I'm not like that person over there. Because that puts us in an illustration with Jesus going, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. So we have to be careful as well. The Apostle Paul puts it on your last, I think on the last part of your outline there. 1 Timothy 1, about 12 maybe. How thankful I am to Christ Jesus our Lord for considering me trustworthy and appointing me to serve. Notice Paul. Paul. It don't get better than Paul. Even though I used to scoff at the name of Jesus. And he goes on to say he was the chief of sinners and the worst. You know what I mean? That's awesome. He remembers it. Oh, how kind and gracious the Lord was. He filled me completely with faith and love of Jesus Christ. In other words... If, if God has saved us and it, it was, we were blessed and avoided so much evil and we're blessed in the kingdom, we need to praise God but stay humble and thank him for what we're doing. If we've been lost and lived a terrible life and made bad mistakes and God's grace has come, both groups need God's grace. Humility and the acceptance of the power to be set free. Amen? There's no judgment there. So I want you to bow your heads. At the bottom of the outline, you don't even need to look at it. I put, Lord, we need your help. And I put, Amen. That's for me. Lord, I need your help. I need your help. I pray that is your prayer. It's my prayer. God. 
Lord Jesus, we need your help. Give us the eyes of the hummingbird as we go through life. Let's look for opportunities to do good. Let's look for life and not death. God, purge any negative and ungrateful attitudes that we have. And Lord, when we, if it's our nature and we become negative and ungrateful, God, and we're aware of that, may we confess that to you. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, may we become more grateful. God, can we rejoice now when others receive your blessings? Oh God, may we be happy and content with what we have. May we turn around sometimes and look at what you blessed us with and the path back there are the times you corrected our path and blessed us and saved us so much harm. Lord, the times you healed us, the times you protected us, Oh God, may we see those and remember those and have markers for those in our life and not be looking at the dissatisfaction of today. Relieve us of toxic, frankly satanic thinking. And may we have the mind, the renewing of the mind that's in Christ Jesus. And finally, God, I just pray in this prayer for every person in this room, especially me. Always remind me of the gift of salvation and the amazing, unspeakable grace that you have given to me. I'm forgiven because of you. May I recommit to live a life that's appreciative, humbled, and great, grateful, very grateful for the gift of gifts. And may all of us, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to sing a song. And won't you stand please as we sing Jesus is Lord of all.
everyone for being here today. Uh, we have circles directly following and I challenge you to leave here today and lead an intentionally grateful life today and this week. Thank you and have a great day.